the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 2 Corinthians. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. So we have to guard the influence that we are exposed to. We have to be careful about it. So here's how it goes. Like, I'm strong. You know, I can handle this. And so that's when a Christian says, and I've heard this kind of thing. I can date a non-Christian because I'm strong and I'm going to influence them. And I hear people all the time as a very fleshly approach too. They're like, yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor Gary. He is hot or she is hot. And my response always is, so is hell. Get over it. Get over it. strongest person can be brought down by associating with darkness. Pastor Gary reminds us today that we need to guard our hearts and watch what we come into contact with. We aren't called to stay away from the world, but we need to be very careful what we allow inside of us or what becomes attached to us. Surround yourself with the body of Christ and together reach out into the world with the love of God. Listen carefully for the voice of God and search his word to gain his wisdom. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection, subscribe to the podcast, or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Paul then says here, now he's writing to Christians. This is a letter to the church at Corinth. Already the assumption is these are people who understand a relationship with Christ. So he's writing to Christians. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, that's the key word in this verse. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. It does not say don't associate with unbelievers. doesn't say that. It doesn't say don't speak to unbelievers. It doesn't say don't work with unbelievers. It doesn't even say don't befriend unbelievers. If that were the case, we couldn't speak to, work with, befriend, associate with, you know, we'd all, we'd all have to leave the world. You know, how, how can you avoid contact with unbelievers? That's not what he's saying here. He's not saying avoid all contact with unbelievers. Be a church and be Christians who don't associate, befriend, talk to, or in any way work with unbelievers. No, he doesn't say any of that. If we avoided contact with unbelievers, how would they ever hear about Christ or see him in our lives? That was chapter five. You're to be ambassadors. So you're to go out. You're to represent the king to a foreign people. Because in that sense, we're not citizens here. We're passing on. So this is not a passage to tell us to become bunch of Christian recluses where we're just, you know, kind of confined into the four walls of the church. No, what the word he uses here is yoked. He says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. It's a farming term. 
It's a farming term. And, and they're an agrarian culture. They would have understood it better than we do. It's a term when animals would be harnessed together to plow a field. That's when you would yoke animals together. He's specifically speaking metaphorically about partnership or a union or a bond of some kind. Okay, that's the picture. When you think of two farm animals, like two oxen who are yoked together, there's a bond there. There's a union there. There's a harnessing together. That's what he's talking about. So this is on a level that is far greater than just associating with someone, working with someone, befriending someone. The warning here is on a level that has to do with partnership or union or some kind of a bond together that is more than just associate, friend, or coworker. Okay, so in this context here, the context to be yoked together describes two people who are aiming for the same objectives in life, having the same fundamental convictions about life. That's the warning here. And the caution here, actually it's a command, not to be yoked with unbelievers is a caution about not to enter into partnerships or unions or bonds with people who do not share your convictions or specifically your faith in Jesus Christ, who should obviously be the foundation of your convictions. That's why in verse 17, glance again at verse 17, that's why God calls us to be separate. To be separate. Now, separateness does not mean superiority or exclusivity. Okay, don't get this air of pride about you. All right, separateness simply means protecting and cherishing what should matter most in your life. That's the concept behind separateness. It is protecting and cherishing what should mean most in your life that is your relationship with Jesus Christ. To live uncompromised lives. So there might need to be some separateness. If, in fact, you realize that this particular influence has the potential on a level of partnership, union, or bonding to compromise my life, my values, my walk with God. So that's the context and that's the understanding of this whole phrase about being yoked together. Now, the question then becomes... Why should we not be yoked together with unbelievers? Specifically, and he's going to address it in two ways. The reason why we should not be yoked together with unbelievers, and I'm going to use some words here. The first word actually is found in the passage. The other word I just kind of adapted from the passage. But don't wig out and say, well, this sounds so exclusive and proud. But here we go. Okay, there are two reasons, mainly in this chapter, why he says that believers should not be yoked together with unbelievers. And here they are because of the potential for contamination and contradiction. The potential for contamination and contradiction. All right, now, just so we have a working definition of contamination, here it is, straight from the dictionary, right? Contamination is something that has become dangerous, dirty, or impure by the addition of something harmful or undesirable. Think in terms of like contaminated meat. Do you ever go to your refrigerator and smell the turkey before you put it in your sandwich? Because you forget how long it's been in there and you look at the date on the label when you got it from the deli and you're like, is this still good? Why? Because meat spoils. It becomes contaminated. It becomes contaminated because left to itself long enough, it will be exposed to certain bacteria or organisms that will then make the meat inedible. Then you have to throw it out. It's contaminated. Now, the reality is the same can happen, potentially, under wrong influences. 
where the wrong influences can creep into our lives if we allow it, if we don't guard our hearts and lives against it, and it can pollute us. It can contaminate us. And we need to be aware of this. We need to stop thinking of ourselves as so stinking strong, that won't contaminate me. I'm going to go where other people don't dare to go. And I'm going to be the one that, in a good way, contaminates them. You see, but the problem with that is we get ourselves in trouble because we think too highly of ourselves. Instead of having a humble view of ourselves, and the reality is any of us, given the right circumstances and the right situations, can fall. So we have to guard the influence that we are exposed to. We have to be careful about it. So here's how it goes. Like, I'm strong. You know, I can handle this. And so that's when a Christian says, and I've heard this kind of thing. I can date a non-Christian because I'm strong and I'm going to influence them. And I hear people all the time as a very fleshly approach too. They're like, yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor Gary. He is hot or she is hot. And my response always is, so is hell. Get over it. Get over it. It's dangerous. Say, well, I'm strong and I will be the one to... Listen, that may happen. And don't come up to me afterwards and give me the exception. Well, I just want you to know, you know, I was a Christian. I married a non-Christian and now my husband or my wife is saved. And here we are at Cornerstone and we love the church. And great, I'm glad it worked out for you. But you're not the model for other people. The text here is the model. And Paul's saying, be very, very cautious that you don't become potentially harnessed with someone in the picture of oxen who are plowing the same field, the same direction with someone you are completely incompatible with. I'm talking about incompatibility in the sense that you're a believer and the other person's a non-believer because the potential for you to be wrongly influenced is greater than the potential of you influencing them in a relationship or in a partnership. You say, well, you're downplaying the power of the gospel. No, I'm not. I'm just being real about the potential for any of us in a fleshly sense to fall. And we got to be wise about this kind of thing. Let me ask you a question. If a German shepherd starts to run with a pack of wolves, do the wolves become domesticated or does the German shepherd become wild? Okay. One German shepherd in the pack is not going to all of a sudden domesticate all these wild wolves. The wild wolves are doing what wild wolves do. And their influence is, generally speaking, more powerful upon the one than the one upon the many. So guard your hearts. Now, again, this is not in a sense of like, don't be contaminated because we're so pure and we're so godly and we're so right that we can't have this untouchable world. I don't mean contamination in that sense. I only mean it in this sense. What you have in a relationship with Christ is valuable and sacred, so guard it. That's what I mean. Guard it. It's not in this haughty sense, but it's in this sense of like God has entrusted to us a very relationship with him. It is sacred. Our lives before him are valuable. It is to be held in such sacredness that we don't compromise it. This is what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.14. He said, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Guard it. Now, the basis for Paul saying this here in 2 Corinthians 6 is more than just because he's drawing on an agrarian illustration of his day. You know, believers don't be yoked together with unbelievers. He's actually drawing on an Old Testament verse. And here it is, Deuteronomy 22, verse 10. This is all it says. There's actually a law in God's commandments that Paul adapts in a spiritual sense. 
And here's what Deuteronomy 22.10 says. Do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. That's what the Bible says. Do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. Doesn't that make a weird mental picture in your head? Can you see an ox with a donkey? They're under the same yoke. It doesn't work. It won't work. First of all, in a biblical sense, oxen are clean animals. They chew the cud and they have a split hoof. And under the Old Testament law, those factors were distinguishing, had to have both a split hoof and chewed the cud. All right, that was considered a clean animal. Donkeys weren't clean. They neither chewed the cud nor did they have a split hoof. Now, you could use donkeys. They were beasts of burden. You could ride them. They were work animals, but otherwise they were considered unclean. So you don't harness together that which is clean and that which is unclean. So Paul actually adapts Deuteronomy 22.10 to this New Testament principle. He says, in the same way you don't put an oxen together with a donkey, a believer and a non-believer are not to be harnessed together, okay? Now, and just so that you can put this in perspective of good King James English, Deuteronomy 22.10 in King James says, do not harness together an ox and an ass. So if you're the ox... Need I say more? Anyway, let's... But the other issue here is not just contamination. The other issue here is contradiction. Here's working definitions for contradiction. Because it doesn't just mean to say something, you know, that is opposite. It can mean logical incongruity. And it can also mean a situation in which inherent factors, actions, or propositions are inconsistent or contrary to one another. Okay? So in other words, when... Two people who have completely different worldviews and different perspectives and different life values are in partnerships, bonds, or unions. Okay, I hope I've said it like 10 different ways. We're not talking about friendships, acquaintances, or co-workers. All right, we're talking about partnerships, bonds, or unions. When people are in this incongruous relationship, it's painful. I mean, it's just, it's miserable. It's frustrating. There's a contradiction here. When one person is inextricably linked to another person whose value system is different and whose worldview is different, it's frustrating. It's miserable. Now, back to the ox and donkey scenario. An ox labors forward. That's just the way that they are wired. A donkey pulls back. You know, the stubbornness of a donkey? Inherent in those two animals are two different ways that they function. An ox labors forward, and donkeys naturally pull back. They resist. So when you have people who are in partnerships, unions, or bonds, and one is going one direction and another is going another, you understand the friction? You understand how it becomes difficult and miserable in those situations? And God wants to spare us the heartache. I start emphasizing again in dating relationships, if you're a Christian, don't date a non-Christian. Well, why? We're just dating. Because it can lead to marriage, and that's a bigger issue. And so don't ever think that it will never go any further than that, because it always could go further than that. And then when you're in this union together, I guarantee you, it can become such a, a thing of friction because you have completely different worldviews that you'll end up being in a situation that is, that is miserable. And it is not just in marriages where two people are equally yoked. This is in business partnerships, too. I had a man here just within the last year 
who came to me because he didn't understand this. So no fault of his. You know, sometimes, listen, we just grow in our faith and, you know, we end up learning stuff along the way, obviously, hopefully, right? But he came to me and he owned a couple of fitness centers and he was in partnership with a guy who was not a believer. He says, it's miserable. My life is miserable. It's affecting my marriage. It's affecting my home. And I said, okay, here's my advice to you. Because he was asking, here's my advice. You need to buy them out so that you have sole ownership of your clubs or you need to sell your interest. One or the other. You can't stay in this. It's killing you. It's killing your marriage. Now, thankfully for him, he found another investor who bought him out and took over his half of the partnership. And then he was free and he took the money and he's actually doing well. And he moved to a different state. I think he's in Phoenix now. And he emailed me a little while ago saying, I got a fresh start now. I'm going to take the money from the sale out business. I'm going to start with a whole new perspective and the right principles. It's good for you. I'm not trying to shame anybody. Some people just don't understand this. I can just tell you from personal experience, having to deal with different people, when you come into unions, partnership, or bonds with people, and you're a Christian and they aren't, there's a contradiction. And it becomes miserable. It might be okay to work for non-believers, obviously. It might be okay to hire non-believers, no problem. But if as a Christian, you want to be in partnership or co-owners of a business with someone else who is not a Christian, the Bible warns that it is incompatible and you will suffer for it. So unequally yoked means a lack of four things that he tells us in this passage. These are words actually that he uses here. He says there will be a lack of commonality, fellowship, harmony, and agreement. He uses all those words in this passage. He first starts out with this whole idea of commonality. He says there in verse 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? So there's the word, commonality. Typically, okay, when there's unequally yoked people in some kind of a bond or partnership, there will be a lack of common vision, ideals, morals, convictions, and beliefs. Why? Because the reference points are different. Your reference point, hopefully, is God in the Bible. Their reference point could be a multitude of things. It could be culture, it could be music, it could be media, it could be their personal education, books they read, trends, popular cultural things. I mean, it could be just about anybody that is influencing them. But you have a different vantage point. Could also be, number two, that it will create a lack of fellowship. And the Greek word there is koinonia which means fellowship or communion. It can even mean, in a very pure sense, intimacy. Where an unbeliever and a believer have formed some kind of a union, there is a lack of ultimate intimacy when you don't share Christ. You can have intimacy on a lot of other levels, but there is a level that will be lacking if you don't both know Christ. He says, thirdly, Fellowship is also found in verse 14, or what fellowship can light have with darkness. And then verse 15, here's the third word, what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Interesting, again, New Testament is written originally in Greek. The word harmony there is symphonesis. We get our English word symphony. Okay, A symphony will sound horrible if people aren't playing off the same page of music. It'll just sound horrible. That is the reality of a believer and a non-believer. You're playing off of two completely different sheets of music. You just are. There will not be this harmonious thing in the partnership or in the marriage because you're just playing off of completely different sheets of music. It will naturally lack a harmony. 
And then fourthly, it will also lack agreement. That's the other word that he uses there in verse 16. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? It's the only time this particular Greek word appears in all of the New Testament, and it means literally joint approval. Joint approval in the sense of voting together for something. And if you're in a relationship or in a business partnership where, again, you have a biblical worldview and your partner, your spouse, or whatever doesn't, there's going to be a difficulty in finding agreement. You're going to find agreement in a lot of things, but then there's going to be some issues that are really strong if you hold to your values. If you don't compromise your values, there's going to be some serious disagreement about some things. Even as it relates to, in a marriage, there will be questions of, and disagreements in terms of managing money, how you parent kids, family priorities, what friends you hang out with. You're going to have a very different perspective of how those things are supposed to work. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine to 30, speaking about yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. In other words, what Jesus calls us to do is he wants us to walk shoulder to shoulder with him and to be separate from this world. Not in this pious, exclusive sense, but separateness in terms of guarding what has been entrusted to us and being very careful about the influence that we allow into our hearts and into our minds and into our lives. If you are single, again, My exhortation to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is, if you're a believer and you're single, do not date someone who's a non-believer. And especially don't marry them. If you are in business and you are thinking about joining into partnership with someone who's not a believer, my exhortation to you is, from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, you make sure that you maintain a controlling interest in your company. You have at least 51% of that company. Don't ever relinquish the majority and don't ever go into it 50-50. You have to be able to retain a majority interest in your business. And for those of you, going back to relationships, if you're in a marriage where you're saying, well, I'm actually in a marriage and I'm a believer and my spouse is a non-believer, what are you saying? I'm saying stay married. Don't read 2 Corinthians 6 like, I'm out of the will of God, so I'm going home and telling this bozo goodbye. No, no. No, 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 because Bozo needs you. Bozo needs to see your godly life and your influence because you stood before God. You married this person. Okay, so that is God's will for you now. It may not have been his perfect will, but you didn't know any better, so now it is his perfect will for you. Okay? Or maybe even did, and you did it out of rebellion. It is God's will for you now. Make the best of your marriage, stay true to your spouse, and you let your godly influence be a godly influence to that individual. All right? And if you, going back to business, are already in a business partnership, and it's miserable, and you kind of are identifying with these things, I'd give you the same advice I gave the guy who had the fitness clubs. You need to either buy out your partner, or you need to sell your interest. If you want to have a life that is not constantly frustrated. I don't have any other advice to you because if we take to heart what he's saying here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 about partnerships, bonds, and unions as believers, we have to be very careful making decisions going forward. And if you're already in a situation where perhaps you've made a bad decision, see in terms of the business part of it, how you can rectify it or remedy it. See if you can buy out your partner. See if you can at least get a controlling interest in the company. Start over, do something. 
Otherwise, there's a price to pay, and it's often miserable and frustrating. If we've made some mistakes along the way, which surely we will from time to time, God's grace is greater than our sins. But to the degree that we're on this side of bad choices, take 2 Corinthians 6 to heart when it comes to partnerships, unions, and bonds, and guard what influences you. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection as we explore more of the book of 2 Corinthians. There is no other book of the Bible that goes as in-depth into Paul's sufferings as 2 Corinthians. Paul didn't mention these things for bragging rights or for pity. On the contrary, In fact, Paul only mentioned the hardships he'd been through to prove that even though his pedigree as a Pharisee was top-notch, he could relate to anyone who has and will suffer for the sake of Christ. Being a Christian doesn't come easy, and Paul could attest to that firsthand. But his whole point in mentioning those things wasn't for you to focus solely on all the bad things he went through. His intent was to help his readers focus on the why of what he was doing, which was because of Jesus and his message spreading, no matter the personal cost. Are you living life in this way, willing to do whatever it takes for others to know about Jesus? If you're desiring to be with a community of believers who have this as their mission, then we'd love to meet you in person at Cornerstone Chapel. Head over to cornerstoneconnection.cc to find out more details as to where we meet and when. That's all for today here on Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.